Welcome into the NFL Beats Weekly Podcast. Chris Heathman here. Hope you've had a superb week and you're enjoying the sunshine. It was a depressing start for me and a lot of England fans after the defeat in the Euro 2020 final against Italy and then waking up to the news of racist abuse towards Saka, Rashford and Sancho, not to mention the violence after the game too. It left a sad blemish on an otherwise fantastic tournament, which is a, is a shame. Moving on though to why we're here, which is of course the NFL. As always, I'll provide you a brief rundown of the NFL's biggest news from the week to keep you up covered just in case you missed anything although i appreciate there isn't much to miss out on at the moment as we trudge through a slow news cycle the deadline for franchise tagged players to sign long-term details was on thursday though which is something we'll get onto later including a look at some of the players who didn't sign and what this may mean for free agency next season without further ado though let's go on to the headlines Free agent cornerback Richard Sherman has said he's deeply remorseful following his actions in the early hours of Wednesday morning, which led to his arrest, including a hit-and-run incident and burglary domestic violence. Right tackle Taylor Moton signed a four-year extension with the Carolina Panthers before the Thursday deadline for franchise tag players to sign, a deal which will see the 26-year-old earn $43 million in guaranteed money. New Orleans Saints defensive tackle David Onyemata has been suspended for six games for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing substances. He announced the news on Instagram before it was formally announced by the NFL. And finally, it's been revealed Tom Brady played the 2020 season with a torn MCL. Despite this, the 43-year-old led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. Let's get started then with the Richard Sherman news. He was arrested Wednesday for two separate incidents which took place in the early hours of Wednesday morning. First, Washington State Police received a report at 1am for a hit and run incident. A car registered to Sherman struck a concrete barrier and was abandoned at a car park nearby. Then later, Redmond Police Department received a call at 2am Pacific time which said an adult family member who didn't live at the residence was trying to force their way into the home, which was the home of Sherman's in-laws. When the police arrived, Sherman was outside of the home and allegedly fought with police before being detained. He was later booked into King County Correctional Facility for the hit and run and burglary domestic violence incident. He was held without bail but Redmond PD made clear this is protocol for domestic violence cases and was until he could see a judge. The first thought in your head when you read or hear domestic violence or hit and run is was, was anyone hurt? Obviously, thankfully no one was. Redmond PD made clear no one was here and Richmond, Richard Sherman's wife Ashley Moss told the Seattle Times he didn't harm anybody, my kids were not harmed in the incident, he's a good person and this is not his character, we're doing alright, just trying to get him out, I want people to know no one was injured, which was a huge relief to hear. And then Richard Sherman has since posted a statement on Twitter which said, I'm deeply remorseful for my actions on Tuesday night. I behaved in a manner I'm not proud of. I've been dealing with some personal challenges over the last several months, but that is not an excuse for how I acted. The importance of mental and emotional health is extremely real, and I vow to get the help I need. I appreciate all of the people who have reached out in support of me and my family, including our community here in Seattle. I am grateful to have such an amazing wife, family, and support system to lean on 
during this time. So no one was hurt. It's clear Sherman is in a bad place in terms of his mental health, but it's a relief to hear he's receiving the support he needs and will be seeking further support going forward as well. The 49ers had been linked with re-signing Sherman and through general manager John Lynch have reached out to Sherman and his family as well to offer support. Sherman was in court Friday to enter pleas uh, for five misdemeanors. Sherman entered not guilty pleas on all five of the charges. Sherman is charged with criminal trespass in the second degree with a domestic violence element, reckless endangerment of roadway crews, driving under the influence, resistant arrest and malicious mischief with a domestic violence element for attempting to break into his in-law's house and driving fractions on the way to the home. The case is of course still ongoing so we're a ways off knowing what the next step in Sherman's career will be and in the case, but whether we see him back on the field or not, I think the most important thing is he's getting, he gets mentally healthy and back on track. Moving on to Taylor Moton and his blockbuster contract extension with the Carolina Panthers. So he signed a four year contract extension with the team in the latest big deal for a right tackle which is just seem like it's a start of a trend so Adam Schefter reported at first it, it will be a 72 million dollar deal including 43 million dollars in guaranteed at signing. Now Moton initially signed a franchise tender in March which would see him earn 13.754 million in 2021 but before Thursday's deadline for franchise tag players to sign long-term uh, long-term contracts the deal was agreed and as I said this contract does continue the trend of right tackles receiving lucrative deals so just a couple of weeks ago of course Ryan Ramchick signed a five-year contract extension with the New Orleans Saints that was worth up to 96 million dollars with 60 million dollars guaranteed Moton's deal isn't worth as much, but signing after Ramchick's deal was agreed has paid off. He'll earn an average of $18 million per year and is one of the highest paid tackles in the league. Moton is the fourth franchise tag player to actually sign a contract extension in 2021. So, of course, Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott signed that monster deal at the start of the offseason. New York Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams signed a new deal and Denver Broncos safety Justin Simmons as well signed a deal to carry on. Six franchise tag players, other t uh, franchise tag players went unsigned so these were others we were looking out for. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Godwin, Jets safety Marcus May, Chicago Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson, Jaguars offensive tackle Cam Robinson, Washington football team guard Brandon Scherf and Saints safety Marcus Williams. This doesn't mean they won't sign contracts with their current team at some point, uh, but they will have to wait now until after the 21, 2021 season is over and it very much depends on what the players are asking for and whether the teams can match their demands given any salary cap implications. The Bears were trying to get a deal done for Alan Robinson, but failed to meet his demand. Uh, reportedly, he's demanding a contract averaging around $20 million per year, similar to Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen. Reports suggest the Bears' contract was more like $16 million per year, so instead of that, and because the deal couldn't be made, Robinson will earn around $18 million for the 2021 season on the franchise tag. Marcus Williams and the Saints also negotiated heavily over a possible extension 
as I mentioned earlier, the Saints have, of course, recently secured um, Ryan Ramchick to a big five-year contract extension, but they couldn't do the same with Williams. So he'll play on the franchise tag, earning $10.612 million. If he has a great season, then he could be in for a big contract in 2022, similar to the Broncos' safety Simmons. Simmons was on the franchise tag for this season and then signed a new deal before the, uh, before the deadline. So similar could happen with Williams. The franchise tag could be applied for a second season, which would give the Saints more time to get a deal done and sort out the salary cap as well. There's the making of an, an interesting free agency in 2022, given the names that could be available, but let's get 2021 out of the way before we look too far ahead. Next up, the story of David Onyemata's six-game suspension. Because of this suspension, the Saints are going to be without a key member of their defense for the first six games so initially it was posted to on your matters instagram early friday morning that he tested positive for a banned substance and will be suspended so he said i was informed by the nflpa yesterday that i have tested positive for a banned substance resulting in a suspension for part of the 2021 season uh, via Catherine terrell of the athletic he did say he was surprised and disappointed with the news, but he did take responsibility. He said, I am responsible for what I put in my body, which isn't always the case with players. I mean, yeah, some in the past have even said that they're taking all the same substances that they have in the past and never tested positive for anything. But he's taken responsibility with this. Um, and he said, but although he does say he never knowingly took anything that could cause a positive test. So he did say he's going to learn from it. I'm committed to being more aware of any medication and dietary supplements that may contain substances banned by the NFL. So it looks like he's going to take it, learn from the mistake and come back for the New Orleans Saints. I think the New Orleans Saints have a week six bye as well. So he'll be back after the bye week. Of course, he is a, he is a key player for the New Orleans Saints. He was a sixth round draft pick for the Saints in 2016, but he's emerged as a full-time starter over the last two seasons. So he recorded a career-high six and a half sacks with 10 tackles for a loss and 16 quarterback hits in 2020. He also had an interception. So he is a key player and the Saints will need him back as soon as possible. And finally, we move on to Tom Brady and the revelation he played the 2020 season with a torn MCL which is absolutely bonkers. Apparently, Brady did suffer the injury to his left knee while he was playing for the Patriots in his final season. The injury gradually worsened during the first year with the Bucks last season, and he finally had surgery to repair it in late February after winning his seventh Super Bowl. Following the Bucks' mandatory minicamp in June, he said it was an injury I dealt with really since last, you know, April, May. I knew I would have to do something at the end of the year, and happy I did it, and it was probably something that certainly needed to be done and there was a great outcome so i'm very happy about it so yeah tom brady not only did he win his seventh super bowl at the age of 43 but he did it with a torn mcl just to add to the legend and of course he had a fantastic year with the buccaneers uh, as they got better after their bye week so completely bizarre revelation to come out um, but just adding to the legend and the greatest of all time Anyway, that's your lot this week. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget you can follow on Twitter at the NFLB underscore for daily musings and articles. Subscribe or follow if you like the podcast and leave a review to let me know what you think. For now though, take it easy. <laughs>